Welcome to Ignite Agility. Today we have Rob Myers from Agile for All with us. Rob is going to be joining Collaborative Leadership Team August 27th, 28th, and 29th here in Minneapolis to host a certified Scrum developer course. Welcome, Rob. Hi, good morning. So I kind of wanted to start off today, Rob, with uh, having you explain what the heck is a CSD, Certified Scrum Developer? What is that? Sure. Uh, certified Scrum Developer is a, uh, a training uh, track that uh, trains software developers. Um, the, the, the thing about the, the word developer is that it has a couple of different meanings in the Scrum world. And the Certified Scrum Developer is specifically around software developers uh, learning the techniques that they need in order to uh, help them provide value in a Scrum environment. Okay. Now, unlike some of the other courses that people may have attended, what's different about this one? Uh, this one is very, very uh, hands-on and very development uh, intensive. So what we learn in uh, CSM and, and CSPO are uh, really the, the, the topics around Scrum itself. Now, uh, Scrum specifically tries to stay out of the way of what, how the team builds things uh, during the sprint. And so this is the filler. This is the, the, the filling to the donut hole. Uh, one of the reasons that, that I think it's important is uh, there's, there's been this thing that I've noticed over the years with, uh, with various Agile teams is that they, they run into this thing I call the Agilist Dilemma, which is they start out with Scrum and everybody's happy and everything's going great. And about five or six sprints into it, it doesn't seem to matter how long the sprints are, but they start to feel a little bit more like they're, they're, uh, they're, they're moving a little bit more slowly. And as time goes by, it becomes more and more, you know, uh, uh, molasses in a Minnesota winter, right? So it's getting slower and slower. And what's happening is that the, uh, the developers at first are, are very comfortable with building just enough. But what happens is uh, after a while, they have to go back and change the software that they've built in order to provide more value, in order to complete the work items. Uh, and the same thing is true of testers. Testers start out having to test just the sprints stories. Um, and then eventually what happens is they realize that in order to, to provide quality assurance, right, capital Q, capital A, quality mm -hmm. assurance, they have to test everything that's been built since the beginning of the entire project. So, so even in a greenfield project sort of environment, it becomes a little bit sticky. Uh, and if you don't have a greenfield environment, then you're already faced with this sort of uh, dilemma. That's what I call the Agilist dilemma is that by doing things more iteratively, which we want to do, uh, we run into these problems much earlier. Now, they, they would have occurred anyway, uh, but they would have occurred you know, six months later, and then we'd have a much bigger pile of uh, uh, garbage to clean up. So, so these techniques that we learn in the Certified Scrum Developer are specifically oriented towards uh, productive, iterative, and incremental software development. Cool. The question we get a lot um, is, hey, I want to come to a certified Scrum developer, but does that mean I have to code? Uh, 
And I would say uh, it's a little bit yes and no. Um, we do a lot of coding. We do a lot of coding in pairs. You, uh, you will be involved in the coding process. Now, if you're a tester and you don't remember, I, I have a lot of people, they go, well, I, you know, it's been 10 years since I've programmed and, and I'll ask them what language they programmed in and they'll say something like, you know, ANSI C or something like that. And I'll say, you know, you, you pretty much could probably uh, read the code and you'll probably find that you can write the code as well. You're always going to be writing it uh, with one other person we pair people up so that there's complementary skills. And so, uh, yes, you will be writing code. <laughs> well, I'm also hearing safety in numbers, right? I'm yes, also hearing, yes. you know, practice what we preach in Scrum, which is working together, right? Working yeah. together. Exactly. Um, the other thing that we get asked about is not only, hey, do I have to code, is what's different about coming to collaborative leadership team with Rob Myers? What's different about a Rob Myers class? And, you know, one of the things I immediately talk about is um, some instructors are very prescriptive. Like, I will only take students who program in Java. I will only take students who are in this particular slice of the world. What's, what's different about a Rob Myers CSD? Well, a number of things. Uh... One of the things that, that I've built out over the years are uh, materials that, so, so one of the things is they're, they're building a lot of their own stuff. So the programming language, and they're usually building it on their own machines. I, I, I encourage them to set something up. They can set something up for free if they don't have a, an organization that they belong to. If they do, they probably have a development machine. Uh, they're going to be working on stuff other than their own code, so it's not dangerous. It's not going to affect their product at all. Uh, and uh, we, can, we can do, there's actually some canned labs in the course, like a refactoring lab, uh, um, it's a deep refactoring lab. It has tests, and it's actually one of those uh, uh, labs that I that I uh, I have some some nefarious secret uh, reasons why I like to give this lab first, and I'll go ahead and share those with you. Uh, really, I'm trying to encourage people to see the value of having fully tested code, uh, and how much easier it is to to change the code, to refactor the code, and to prepare it for new extensibility, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so, so that is available in uh, C++, uh, Java, C Sharp, uh, JavaScript. And uh, as we speak, or this afternoon, I will be working on uh, Python and Ruby. So uh, those probably won't be ready for the, this particular CSD that we're doing in August, but afterwards, uh, uh, the, the labs will be available in Python and Ruby and people, you know, if they, if they come in and they're a Python programmer right now, that's not a problem. It's just one lab out of, out of many. Uh, but, uh, we, we support all the languages and what I've found over the years is that they're all fairly similar. It's, it's, it's really about technique. It's about our thought processes. It's about how we communicate with each other through code and through just conversation or through zoom right? Whatever mm -hmm. it is that we're using, they're all really communication practices. Continuous integration, if you think about it, continuous integration, this, this process of taking the code that I change and, and committing it very often, very frequently, and letting it build in the system is communicating to the rest of the team. They pick up those changes. They see those changes. They can use those changes. And mm -hmm. They should be usable changes. So these are all very much communication techniques. 
Right. So I'm hearing lower barrier to entry, like some of the other programs may have lots of uh, specifics around them. And here we're saying, no, we're, we're going to be teaching you universal practices and ways of communicating and working with each other. Right, right. The programming language is is sort of secondary to that. And like I say, I have a lot of people, I've had a lot of people over the years who come in and they go, I know Python. And I'm like, you'll, you'll be fine. <laughs> right. um, and, and, or, you know, I haven't programmed in 10 years and you'll be fine. And, and really I do, I should point out that it is a developer course. It is an intensive developer course. And in that respect, I do say that you, you will be coding. You will be uh, at least actively working with somebody. They might be typing, but you'll both be coding. It's a thought process. It's a, it's a practice that the language doesn't matter. And, uh, and so, you know, it, I'm a tester. Should I come to the course? Well, that depends. Do you feel comfortable in that environment? Uh, I'm not trying to turn pe- everybody into coders. That's, that's not what we do with, you know, an agile process. We, we have uh, uh, the team has skills. What we're doing there is we're emphasizing those skills that developers need. Uh, and uh, we make developers better testers. We can make testers better developers if they want to be. It's all very much uh, around that kind of thing. But yeah, there, there, is, you know, there is a lot of coding. A couple of other things that, that uh, give us um, a little bit of a uniqueness in this course is that I, I start with some very core practices, and then I sort of open it up to you know, what does the team want to explore? What do they need to explore? We need to take care of the learning objectives from the certified scrum developer, but we do have some extra modules. One of the things that uh, I have is uh, I, I, I talk about legacy characterization testing, which is usually the the big thing with a lot of teams in picking up these practices is that they have existing untested code that's slowing them down, whether they just, you know, they started out and now they're going agile Whatever it is, they're having challenges with that particular code. Uh, I can either just sort of breeze over it, or if they're interested, we have a lab. It's a very challenging lab. It's a very small lab, but it actually is very challenging, where it's untested code, it resists testing, and they build tests for it. And just the practice of establishing a test on what we thought was untestable code um, seems to break people through a barrier, right? A mental barrier that they're like, this is just not worth it. You know, this it's not worth the effort to, to get this code under test. And we specifically talk about, you, you don't want to test everything. You want to test what you're going to change. Right. And when you're going to change it, get it under test so that you know you haven't broken any of the other behaviors and then you can change it. And that frees you up to do all of these other cool exotic practices like test-driven development or behavior-driven development and, and all that kind of stuff. Awesome. I think you're going to find that of interest to the Minnesota audience. We have a large number of Fortune 500, 100 companies located here. And right, wrong, or indifferent, a lot of them still have mainframe, green screen, right? They have some legacy stuff. And that's always a question that comes up when you start talking about test first. Right. So let's go. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, well, you 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 mentioned uh, uh, you know I or I mentioned some uh, some of the the value to the developers, uh, uh, but we could we could actually talk a little bit about how how the businesses might want to see exactly. That's exactly where I was going. You're going okay. Yeah, if I'm a hiring manager, if I'm a company, and I'm looking to to grow uh, skills. Why is this attractive to me as an employer or a potential employer looking for the CSD? Yeah, yeah. the CSD, um, these, it's, it's, it, it's, 
relatively a new program with the Scrum Alliance, but it's a very old set of practices. In fact, I'm, I'm kind of lamenting that I realized that I've been using these particular practices for 20 years now. Um, I started in 1998 with these very practices. They come from the extreme programming agile uh, set of practices before it was known as agile. Uh, Scrum was around then and extreme programming and Scrum work very well together. Um, it's, uh, it's a little less prescriptive than XP used to be. So uh, uh, we, you know, we, we look into what are the business values of each and every one of these practices, but they actually have a lot more business value when they're used in combination. Um, oftentimes, you know, people will, will try to pick one or not, and not the other. And we have to see the value in each one of them. We have to get sort of a broad perspective on each one of these practices so that we can put them together correctly and know when to use one and when to use another. Um, from, the, from the company standpoint, these are the things that I've seen over those many years. I, I used to work on uh, such teams. And one of the things that we found was that it, it actually, it's, at first, it's going to slow them down, right? Uh, this is exactly what the blog post was about. It's, it's the responsible thing to do is to learn that practice and use that practice, not because of some, you know, because Rob said so, or because Angela said so, or because the Scrum Alliance said so. It's because these are the practices that have been found to provide uh, value faster, quality faster, right? And in fact, you don't really have value if you don't have quality. You know, if I have the most beautiful code in the world and I press a button, it all collapses, that doesn't do me any good. I can't get my task done with that software. So, so you have to lead with quality and that provides value. So these are very much quality practices. Um, they, they have uh, sort of three levels of, of uh, uh, value. I mean, we always talk about, you know, test-driven development. You'll, you'll lower your defects by 40 to 90%. That sounds great in and of itself. That's, that's almost enough, right? Uh, that is enough. Uh, 40 to 90% uh, defect decrease is, is, is awesome. But that's just one level. The next level is that you can get your work items done more quickly and not, not faster, faster, but as fast as or almost as fast as if you were working in a greenfield environment. With right? quality is what I keep hearing you say. Because, with quality. You know, people say, oh, Agile delivers faster. It's all about productivity. Well, you could be very productive producing crap. Yes. And you know, that's not the goal. <laughs> Right, right. In fact, uh, you know, it's 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 funny that 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 uh, you know people were I, I like faster, faster, faster. And from the very beginning, Scrum said things like uh, you know releasable quality work. Right. When mm -hmm. we complete a work item, we re we complete it with releasable quality. That means we actually completed it. We're not going to go back and revisit that work item over and over again, trying to fix it and all this kind of stuff. It's ready. And how do we know that it's ready? You know, if we don't have a, a fast suite of automated tests, we don't know that it's continuously ready. So these are the kind of things, if we, if we take it incrementally and we take these baby steps and we build up our software in, in what's effectively baby steps, but really fast, and we do the practices correctly, we get to this point where that's not the impediment to getting a story completed. We don't run into the agilist dilemma anymore where the stories are getting slower and slower and slower, where we're grinding to a, a slowly grinding to a halt, right? That's the thing that allows us to get things through the, the pipeline as quickly as they would have if there were fewer impediments, right? 
So that's where we get our, our speed is effectively we're not increasing speed. We're just increasing speed compared to everybody else who's not doing these practices because we are, we're continuously in flow, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a third level. And this is, this is the kind of thing that I've seen. I've only seen teams that, that work with these practices diligently for about six months or so is uh, uh, one day their product owner will uh, wake up with a great idea. They've got lots of, lots of context. They know the team. They know what the team's able to deliver. They know their product. They know what it's able to do. Uh, they know what the, uh, uh, the customer base, uh, their, their stakeholders are interested in doing. And one day they wake up and they go, huh, I wonder if the software, I wonder if I, I, I pitched this idea, if it would actually fly. And I call these I call these black swan user stories because they're 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 kind of impactful, they're expensive, they're very risky, and the reward is tremendous. And they're just you know it's like wow I can think about this product in a new way, and they'll bring those up. And the question is, can we get it completed within a sprint or not? And if we can get it completed within a sprint, the reason why is because we've been following these practices. And I've had these things, I, you know, over and over and over again in my career, I've had these things show up where, you know, the product owner is just like, has this amazing idea. And we're like, wow, we would have never thought of that. We would have never planned for that. We would have never designed that up front. You see where I'm going with that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then there's this idea. It's a game changer. And we go, we can do it. We can get it completed in a sprint. You can have your... $500,000 increase in, uh, in, uh, value in two weeks. As opposed to two months. As opposed to six months or sorry, it's just too hard. It's a major architectural change. In fact, a number of these that I've run into were what we, what most teams would consider major architectural changes. And we did them in a sprint. And the blog post you referenced, Rob, I just want to make sure folks are aware of that if they didn't know where to find it. Sharpen Your Knives by Rob Myers at collaborativeleadershipteam.com or simply coleadteam.com that references a number of the things that Rob is talking about today. Certainly, we'd also love to have you join us if you can for the Certified Scrum Developer, August 27th, 28th, and 29th. Any final thoughts, Rob, before we let you go for the day? I did want to mention what I, I, I think I may have uh, uh, shortchanged the developers or the people who are coming to the course as well. So we've, we've talked about the business value of, uh, to, to the business. And one of the things that I really encourage people to do, and I guess this is in the blog post as well, but I did want to mention it. Uh, we, we have a course that's fun. Um, and we're not working on your product. We're working on a product that's designed to uh, uh, steer you in a certain direction and expose you to these practices in a, in a way that I've kind of attuned over, oh gosh, I think I've been working on these materials since at least for 10 years. And um, not only will it be fun, but you, I think you'll find that oftentimes people come out of this even after just three days and they kind of get this glimmer of, Oh, I see where this could take me. I see where these practices could actually start to help me work in a sane work environment, right? And what I mean by that is, you know, less overtime, less chaos, less bug fixing, less time spent arguing with people, and more time delivering value. 
And uh, that feels good. That's what, that's what software developers want to do. Uh, that's what testers want to do. They want to provide quality, valuable product. And I just wanted to point that out because there's, there's something, it's a triple win, right? You know, the customer wins, the business wins, and the uh, employees or contractors, the developers, they win too. Great. Thanks for including that. Well, Rob, thank you so much for being on this edition of Ignite Agility, and we look forward to seeing you at the end of August. Thank you. See you then. Thanks. Looking forward to it.